Hello, this is Donna Reish, and I would like to welcome you to another episode of Wondering Wednesday, a podcast series in which we answer questions about homeschooling, language arts, parenting, character training, teaching, marriage, and more. Today, I would like to address some issues that are brought up to me often at this time of year concerning working with your children on reading during the summer. In the handout that I hope you will have open in front of you, you will see many links for more help. I hope that you will go to them and get some more advice from those as well. First of all, I would like to just address whether your child even needs help in the summer with reading. When I talk about reading in this podcast episode, I will be describing a student who is in first, second, or third grade, or going into those grades, who is moving up, but maybe isn't quite ready to move up. Most of these instances will involve a child who is not up to reading level in word calling. That is, the child is not able to decode or sound out or read words that are at the level that the teacher believes he should be able to read at or that his grade would indicate that he should be able to read at. And we call this word calling as opposed to comprehension. So most of the time when people say in the early grades, he's just not reading or he's not reading at level or whatever that might be, they're really talking about whether the child can read the number of words and the types of words as far as the difficulty levels that the, that grade level is reading or that the class is reading. So in those cases, um, If you plan to move your child up to the next grade, and especially if your child goes to school, then I recommend, as I said in my blog, that you run, not walk, to get your child some reading help. Normally, if your child is homeschooled or you are maybe waiting later to put your child in school, I wouldn't say to run and get a first grader a lot of phonics help or a lot of tutoring because I believe that you should wait for readiness to occur. And once readiness occurs in a child, then the child learns to read very quickly. But if your child is going back to school in the fall and he needs to get up to speed, then you don't have a choice but to try to help that along. And so I really recommend that you do so. If you are homeschooling and you have a child in first or second grade, who is six, seven, or eight, and he has not reached reading fluency, that is the ability to just read a book, a picture book in most cases, at that child, at that school or the classes or your designated reading level, then I recommend that you read some things that I've written on Character Inc. blog and wait for readiness. There are a lot of blog posts about what to do while you wait. There are blog posts about what to do with dyslexic learners and so on and so forth. But if you have the option to wait on a six, seven, or eight-year-old to reach reading fluency, I really recommend that you do so. 
But if you are going to plan to help your child in the summer up his reading skills, you want him to reach, as I mentioned, reading fluency. That is the ability to pick up and read whatever he should be reading according to his grade in school or whatever as it relates to sounding out words, decoding, word calling. Um, so with that, you are going to want to help your child get up to reading level. Okay, at this point, um, you are probably wondering how to go about helping your child as far as hiring somebody, using a tutoring service, doing it yourself, and so forth. So I just have a few comments about that that might uh, might help you out. Um, first of all, uh, hiring a private tutor can be a good thing, especially if it is a um, seasoned homeschooler, homeschool teacher, or a seasoned elementary teacher, because both of those people have probably taught some taught a lot of people to read. Maybe uh, you know a homeschooling mom who's had several children. Uh, she's probably had various types of learners and so on. Uh, an elementary school teacher um, in first grade especially, has probably taught many children to read. And so, you know, a private tutor, which I used to be one of those, so I'm, I'm all about private tutoring um, as far as, as helping your child one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, but I'm not against a tutoring service. Um, I know we have some really good ones here in Fort Wayne, and we have a lot of homeschooling moms who work at those. So I know that, that they really do help students. But if you do hire a tutor or you hire a service, there are a couple of things to consider. The first thing is that you have to make sure that the tutor or the tutoring service is doing what your child really needs. A lot of times... Um, you buy a package, or maybe they consider you as wanting full service, so to speak. But if your child is in first or in kindergarten, first or second, going into first or second, and uh, needs to be up to speed in word calling, then you don't want a lot of the other bells and whistles. You don't want to waste your limited summer time spent in learning study skills in. Um, really focusing on comprehension of materials at the level he's now reading because you don't want him to stay at that, that word call level. So what you really want to focus on is phonics for learning to read, word calling, decoding, sounding out. So just be sure that if you hire somebody, that person realizes that that's what you want. You want to get your child up to a read, reading level that is similar to um, his class or his peers. The other thing about hiring is uh, to not think of it as as farming it out and as you being able, you know, to kind of sit back and not worry about it because hiring somebody once or twice a week to tutor your child in reading instruction, decoding of words at this level is the same as your child going to a piano teacher. You know, just going to a piano teacher once or twice a week does not make your child a pianist. And so just like your child comes home with a list of things from the piano teacher that 
he's supposed to do each day, so on. Hopefully your tutor will do the same for you. And if your tutor does not do that, then you really have to get on the ball and decide for yourself what needs done every day to help your student along. At the very minimum, he needs to review all the sounds that he had with the tutor every day, and he needs to read those types of words in a reader. I'll talk about readers in just a minute, but um, so those are the two options. If you do it yourself, there are some excellent programs out there that I've reviewed at the blog, and I have some links at the bottom of this page for you. All right, I want to define just a couple of terms that will help you as we go through this short podcast episode because it cannot be as long as my reading workshops um, that I do for homeschoolers because I'm going to get in a lot of trouble with my husband if I do that. So uh, the the three things that you need to know um, vocabulary-wise or term-wise for this uh, post is the first one is reading fluency. And um, reading fluency, as I said, is defined as the ability to pick up and read whatever he should be reading. And so that's what you want. You want your child to reach reading fluency this summer. You want your child to go from halting, stumbling kind of reading to being able to open whatever level a book and just read it out loud to you um, without halting so much. Yes, comprehension is important. Comprehension is crucial. But comprehension is not needed until the child is able to decode. Now, let me talk about that a second before uh, teachers come unglued who might be listening. Comprehension of the level he's reading right now is not crucial because if he's reading Matt sat, Matt sat on the cat, there's not really a lot of comprehension built into that. And chances are he understands that Matt sat on the cat. It's, it's just not, it's not enough content to really worry about comprehension. Also, I always tell parents as they're waiting for readiness to occur in homeschool situations that you need to focus on audio comprehension, oral comprehension. That is, can he understand what is read to him or what is spoken to him or discussion? Because that carries over to reading comprehension um, in, a, in a big way. And once fluency is reached, He'll carry that comprehension into his own reading. So right now we're talking about reading, reaching reading fluency. All right, the two other things that are important to note are the types of books that your child might be using this summer, either with the tutor or with you. The first kind is called a phonetically controlled book, a phonetically controlled picture book in some situations, but it's called phonetically controlled. And um, like I always tell my students, take what you already know and apply it. So in this situation of this term, phonetically controlled books, we know what a book is. And we know that phonetics or phonics is the sounding out of words or learning how to sound out words. So phonetically controlled means that those books are controlled with certain phonics rules. In other words, they don't, this, if you open the first book in this set of Bob book readers or hear me read readers, you don't just get right away um, long vowel sounds, short vowel sounds, and diphthongs. You get short vowel sounds probably at first, or if I had it my way, long vowel sounds at first. And those are phonetically controlled. They don't do other sounds. They only have those sounds in them. And you need phonetically controlled books in the beginning because as your child learns a sound, he needs to be able to read read books containing that sound. So that's why I have a whole long review of various books 
to read at the blog because you really need to be able to get phonetically controlled books that correspond or correlate with the phonics that he is doing. Okay, the next term or phrase is vocabulary controlled books. Now, the reason that this is so important is because phonetically controlled, you only have, like I said, short vowel sounds in this book, and then the next one, long vowel sounds, and then maybe the next one, short and long vowel sounds mixed together. But in vocabulary controlled books, the books are not concerned with phonetic sounds. And so you could get a book off of a rack at Walmart or your grocery, and it might say, you know, step into reading or whatever, level K. And that supposedly means that that's a kindergarten level book. But that is not a kindergarten level book because it's only at whatever level your child has phonic sounds for. So after their child uses phonetically controlled books for a while and he's moved through all the different phonetic sounds, short vowels, long vowels, diphthongs, other families, diagraphs, blends, multi-syllables and so forth, then, or actually even before multi-syllables, he's ready for vocabulary controlled books. And these are books that are filled with a set group of words only. So while it might not be all long vowels or all short vowels, it will have maybe only 10 words or 15 words or 20 different words. And as your child has moved along in phonics and already has gone through long vowels, short vowels, diphthongs, and so forth. He already knows some of these words. So he's coming into this particular reader with a word call, a decoding list of words that he has that are all phonetically controlled so far. Maybe some sight words because most uh, even phonetically controlled books have the and you and a few sight words in it. Um, but now he's able to read these these words. Suppose this uh, vocabulary controlled picture book has 20 words in it. That book is vocabulary controlled. It has a set list of, list of vocabulary words in it and no more. So it's vocabulary controlled. So those 20 words are all the only words in that book. And so your child only has to be able to read those 20 words in order to read that book. There is a lot more about this at the blog. I really hope that you will look that up and get um, some help there with the phonetically controlled picture books, the vocabulary controlled picture books, knowing the difference, knowing what to start out with. Your tutor, if you hire a tutor, should have a phonics program that that if you only focus on word calling for the summer, that's what you're focusing on. Focus on comprehension all the time with your child as you speak, as you read aloud to him, so on. But as far as the tutor is concerned, focus on reaching reading fluency. He, she should have a phonics program that works with readers. And then your child maybe will bring these readers home or she'll recommend some readers for you to use at home. But he should be reading every day, first from phonetically controlled books, and then from vocabulary controlled books. Okay, I have maybe six blog posts about choosing a phonics program. If you are going to get a full program to use with your child at home or in a homeschool situation. And um, while 
you know, you might think, well, I only have eight weeks or 10 weeks. Do I really need a whole, you know, then we're going on vacation, plus he's playing baseball and, and so on and so forth. Do I really need a whole program? Uh, that really depends on where your child is beginning. If he is not terribly far behind and he knows a lot of his sounds and really just a lot of good review of the sounds and practice would bring him the rest of the way up to speed. He just needs some more one-on-one work than maybe what he could get at school or than maybe what you gave him if you were homeschooling during the school year just because of other student demands and so on, then you might not need a complete program in those instances. But if your child is really struggling and, and can't decode and and especially if he's going back to school and you're going to um, expect him to go into the next grade level, then you need to do everything you can. And so uh, I would hope that you could review those phonics programs that I have reviewed on the blog and maybe get a hold of a, a good phonics program that lays everything out for you. Um, it will. It's hard work. It will be hard work. But... Um, it's really too important to to skip or to diminish. So um, look at those phonics programs and consider what your child needs. Also, there's a review there of a phonics program for older children. So if you have like a dyslexic child who's 10 or 11 or 12 and, and still really is not reading well, um, then you might look at that. Uh, it's um, Saxon Intervention. And so um, it's good for, for older kids who need to be brought up without using like a little cutesy phonics program or something. So uh, there are some reviews there that I hope that you check out to help you out with choosing. Now, assuming that um, really either way, whether you're hiring a tutor or you're working with your child at home, uh, here are just several tips that I will give you to help you um know like where to start and what to do. So first of all, again, don't worry about questions. Um, I know that we all, and especially, um, you know, parents are like, you know, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. The teacher does this or the teacher does that. Um, but you really need to get your child up to reading fluency. And that's going to happen when you don't use all your time questioning, but instead you use your time helping him learn to sound out words. All right, so then you need to find out his current reading level. And you can, whether you're hiring a tutor or you are doing it on your own, you can do this at a local um, tutoring center or, you know, hire an elementary teacher or a homeschool teacher who has taught a lot of children um, to find out his current reading level. Because you don't want to start back at short vowels if he knows all of his short vowels. You don't even want to start back at one syllable words if he's if his problem started, actually begins when he has to do two-syllable or multi-syllable words. So find out his current reading level so you know where to begin. Uh, thirdly, understand the difficulty of blending or chunking. Um, I always like to point this out, even in just my general reading workshops, because this is the point that usually breaks a child, and, and, it's, and it's the point that really... Um, I like to tell homeschoolers, it's the point where you can know, wow, my child might not be ready. And that is the blending or chunking stage. What happens is a child can learn and memorize and remember phonics sounds and maybe even word families. So 
I, I always use the word family approach. I talk about that on the blog. Look, Google, I mean, look that up on my blog in the search part, word families, um, as opposed to ladder letters. Um, okay, I'll take one minute on this. Um, word families simply means that the families are, the sounds are all in a family. So instead of saying just short A, A, short E, A, so forth, you learn the ag family, the at family, the ad family, the ab family. All right. Latter letters means that you learn that A says a, and then you go BA says ba, DA says da, GA says ga, and so on. I recommend using the word family approach because that is how we spell. We never spell BA, we never say that BA says ba after phonics instruction. After phonics instruction, for spelling, we always say that BA says bay because BA does say bay. BA never says ba because it's an open syllable, which means there's nothing after the A. So it always says bay like in bay, b, and bi says by, like in bible, it doesn't say bit. And so I always recommend that you use word families. The other thing about word families is it unlocks many words quickly. So when you use a word family approach, your child may come along and be able to say, to read all of these families. Maybe he can say, ag says ag, ad says ad, at says at, but when he is asked to put the consonant at the beginning of the family, bag, hag, mag, lag, then he's not able to do that blending or that chunking, as some programs call it. And so what has happened is your child is basically memorized. AG says ag, AD says ad. It's very similar to how a baby learns to read in those programs where they tell you babies can learn to read. The baby isn't learning phonics. Um, he's just memorizing that on that card, that shape of A and G together, you know, that the shapes of B and then A and then G together all say bag, and he's able to put it with the picture bag, and it's a memory thing. With your child who is not ready to learn to read, he might be able to memorize, okay, some of the families, but then he's not able to go but ag bag. But at bat, at hat, at cat. And that is the difficulty of blending or chunking. Now, for people who are either homeschooling or waiting to put your children in school later, you have the luxury of saying, you know what? He's not ready to learn to read because this chunking stage is causing so much trouble. And, and you're able to back off for six months and then come back to that. But if your child is going into school in this level and you don't have the choice, then you want to work him through the blending and chunking using a good phonics program as best you can. And you have to understand the difficulty that he has in doing that blending and chunking because it is extremely difficult for a child who is dyslexic or for a child who is not ready to learn to read yet. So understand the difficulty of blending or chunking. Next, work every day. I mentioned that before. It's, it's just like going to piano practice. Regardless of who's doing the teaching, you not, must work every day with him, reading aloud, w- w- walking through the sounds, so forth. Um, 
Number five, use a phonics program that has appropriate number of sight words. Um, I say appropriate number because there are some words that T-H-E, Y-O-U, you know, the only phonetic components T-H-E, the, has is that T-H sometimes says the, and sometimes it says the, but that's the only phonetic component that that word has. So he's probably going to just learn that as a sight word. U, Y-O-U, the only real phonetic component, at least at the beginning level, that U has is that Y usually says ya at the beginning of a word. Later on, he'll learn that O-U is one of the, the spelling sounds, one of the spelling patterns for oo words, like in um, through, but and and couth and some others, but not right now, that doesn't apply to him. So those are really genuine sight words. So there are sight words that need taught as sight words. So your phonics program, hopefully, and your readers has have those sight words mixed into the mix. So like, for example, your, pho your phonics program might teach um, ache, eight, aid, um, words today. And those are all long A families with the magic E. Uh, two vowels go out to play a game. The first one always says its own name. Or two vowels go walking. The first one does the talking. So suppose you have those three families this week. Y your student would learn those three families and then learn to chunk, make, cake, take, sake, you know, with the aid, made, bade, um, there aren't that many A-D-E, they're all A-I-D. But at any rate, then he would learn to chunk those, and then he would read those words in a phonically control, phonetically controlled reader. With those words, he might also have the and you and give, which break the rules. I really wouldn't put give in without those families, but um, I can't dictate what the program put into it. But... Um, I wouldn't put something that's so similar to what he's learning that breaks the rule in that particular week. But at any rate, so so the phonics program has um, some sight words in it. But again, those are an appropriate number of sight words. One way that you can find out that your phonics program is too weak on phonics and too heavy on sight words is if it has sight words that have too many phonetic components. Like some programs, they want to teach um, that, for example, uh, rough is a sight word, R-O-U-G-H. Well, maybe in the early stages, if he's learning short vowels and he needs to know the word rough, it might be a sight word. But I personally would not put rough in an early reader. I would use other words, make it work somehow without that word, and then use rough later on when I'm teaching rough, tough, enough. And then it's no longer a sight word because it's a family. So when I say use a phonics program that has an appropriate number of sight words, I mean it does have some sight words, but if it has too many sight words, then you are asking your child to guess all the time, and you're not giving him the tools to unlock the words. And number six, use readers liberally. I've talked about this already. He should be reading from readers every day. In homeschooling, when we taught our children to read, our children had a basket of books that he had already read with me. And then we had a basket of books that we were working through based on whatever sounds we were working on in phonics. 
after he read a book to me and he passed all the sounds and he knew all the sounds in that book and our phonics program went with it, then, or I correlated it with it, then that book moved over to his silent reading basket and he read from it silently. So he read to me twice a day and he read to himself once a day. Plus I used um, book and tape sets also, which are outstanding ways to reinforce what your child is learning in reading because he can follow along with the words if he wants to. Um, he can memorize parts of the book, which then when he memorizes parts of the books and he looks down at the words, it makes a connection for him and so forth. Okay, I'd like to wrap up this podcast episode with two um, points. The first one is after reading fluency. Suppose your child does reach reading fluency together this summer with you this summer, or suppose your child has already reached reading fluency and can decode words, but has more of a comprehension problem than he does decoding. And so um, after reading fluency is reached, then you want to read together. And you want to read at his comprehension level at that point. And so you might want to read at a little bit higher level when you read with him and have him read silently at a level that's easier for him in terms of decoding. But when you read together, you want to 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 change it up. You can He can read a certain character. You can read a certain character. He reads a ch- paragraph. You read a paragraph and so on. Um, you can ask questions. That's good. But it's even better if you can discuss. Uh, discussion always, is always better than simply questioning because discussing, you are giving him, once you talk about something, you're giving him tools for unlocking more things. So in other words, if you ask a rote question, you know, why do you think the character did that? And he says why he thinks the character did that. And then you stop there. He is not getting any instruction. You are just teaching him. I mean, he is just answering a question. You're testing him. And, but with discussion, if you were to ask that question, then you would discuss it, why, and so on and so forth. And then he's actually getting reading instruction. This is a real pet peeve of mine in uh, reading comprehension materials. Reading comprehension is really only taught or definitely best taught through discussion. And the same is true with vocabulary building. You can memorize for vocabulary building, and that does work in some cases. Or if you have a really good program that breaks up your vocabulary according to Latin and, and Latin roots and prefixes and suffixes, that's also helpful. But as far as um, comprehension is concerned, if you have a comprehension book where the student reads a passage and then answers questions and then you grade it and he gets a grade, if you put that side by side with a standardized test, at the end of the school year, your student has just completed a test. He hasn't learned how to comprehend. If you look at those two side by side, you'll notice that that comprehension program, so to speak, is exactly the same as a standardized test. Passage of material, questions, a grade. And so those comprehension programs are not teaching comprehension. They're testing comprehension. The same thing is true if you work orally with your child and you ask your child questions, he gives you the answer, and you move on. 
You are testing him. You're not teaching him. So in order to teach, you discuss. So you take the question, why do you, why, how do you think the character felt? And then he tells you how he thinks the character felt. And then you ask the question that's going to open up the teaching portion. And that is, why do you think the character felt that way? And either he guessed before and he has no reason why, or he can give you some reasons why, and you can discuss them and you can help him understand more about character development by saying, well, I can see why you thought that based on that. What about this? When this happened, do you think that had any effect on how he felt? And now you've gone from testing to teaching. So read together, use audio materials, discuss, 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 and challenge with challenge your child with a summer reading program, some kind of rewards that you do or whatever. I have some blog posts about that also, about either putting your child in a summer reading program or making creating your own summer reading program at home. And lastly, um, if your child, you just want your child to be refreshed in summer school. In other words, you want him to do some summer school type things. He doesn't really need brought up to reading fluency. You just want him not to lose anything, not to lose skills. I applaud you for that because I do want to say that in primary grades, first through third, and sometimes on, on even into fourth and fifth, so many skills are lost through the summer. If you're a homeschooler, you wouldn't even have to spend the first month in review if you just did some little tiny summer review to keep your child going through the summer. You wouldn't have to go back and do the first few units of the new book because it's all review. Um, yes, a child in school is going to have review but in at the beginning of the year, but in the primary grade, so many things are lost in the summer. Sometimes review doesn't bring it back up to speed. And then your child can get behind again at the beginning of the school year. So if you just want to keep your child up in the summer, um, I really recommend, and this is so different for me because, and so counter to what, how I homeschool and how I teach children, but I really recommend that you just snatch up one of those summer books at the Homeschool Expo or at Sam's Club, Costco, even Walmart, I believe, has them. Barnes & Noble has them, those types of places. And they're just a uh, workbook form that has a little section of history, a little section of math, a little section of reading comprehension, a little section of spelling, so forth, at a certain grade level. So there'll be fifth grade or whatever. I review these on the blog, by the way, so you can look up summer uh, summer school books uh, that type of thing. But get one of those and just have your child do one page out of each subject three times a week. It probably wouldn't take him a half an hour each time to do those. And he would be reviewing everything he had that school year. And yes, it's kind of a testing situation again, but you're bringing, you're keeping it into the forefront of his mind. He's not losing it. So, and then he would just do that. And you know, some parents say, well, I can't get my child to do this in the summer or whatever. We really believe in, in terms of parenting that it's all about expectations. If your child knows in the summer, I have to do this book three times a week for a half an hour. It's the way we roll. It's what my family does. Then that's what's expected and that's what will happen. So you just have to 
to make it happen. If your child isn't used to doing something in the summer, but you want to do that, then I really recommend that you um, reward him. That you say, every time you do this, you'll get a dollar at the end of the summer. You can take all of those dollars to the bookstore and buy books. Whatever. I mean, make it happen. Because it's really important that your child build skills. It's really important that your child stay up at level. It's really important that your child learn to read. So I hope that this has been a help to you. I have so much material at the blog on all of these things that I've just described, right down to the expectations in parenting. So I hope that you'll visit our blog, Character Inc. blog, and that you'll get some help that you need, that you will also send in questions to us uh, that we can use in future podcast episodes, that you will... Uh, contact us about coming to do a Raising Kids with Character Parenting Seminar in your church or in your community, that you, if you're a homeschooler, you will contact us about maybe speaking at your convention or give our information to your convention provider. We have links to all of our workshops at our blog also. So um, like us on Facebook, follow us on our blog. Thank you for joining us in another Wondering Wednesday podcast episode.